0: Welcome to Stellar Discussions, a podcast by Public Node members. Public Node is a nonprofit organization led by Stellar community members working together to support the open and inclusive Stellar network. Today, we're going to be talking about wallet business models. I'm Brian. And I'm Daniel. So first, before we get into the business model of
1: wallets, I think it's important for everybody to understand what a wallet is. And as somebody new to this industry, you think about it as a a place like a traditional wallet, some place where you might hold cash. Like that's where your Bitcoin is. That's where your Stellar Lumens are. That's where your tokens sit. But in reality, in blockchain, a wallet really isn't that at all. All a wallet is is a place to hold a secret passcode that just says this is me and I own this particular account on this public ledger blockchain. A wallet can be something as simple when they said a paper wallet, and when they say that, they literally mean a piece of paper with a string of characters on that is a wallet in the blockchain. And so there are no Bitcoin in there. There are no Lumens in there. It is really just a password on a piece of paper that you are managing. And with that passcode, that password, that secret seed, it all means the same thing. You are saying, I have the authority or the authorization to move this money tokens whatever happens to be from this account to somewhere else. And you're saying, I am the control. I am the owner of it. So that's what a wallet is. So it is not something you can crack open and and take out your Bitcoin. Uh, It really is just managing that secret seed for you. So there's a lot of wallet providers out there that do that to help you because obviously a paper, writing it down on a piece of paper has a lot of security benefits. And the fact that it's not hooked up to the internet, people can't dial in and, and take your seed, but there's also the concept of, it can, you could spill water on it, you can lose it, dog could eat it. There's ways that it can get lost. And plus somebody actually just see it. We're, we all know we're not supposed to put post-it notes on our computer with our passcodes on there. You wouldn't do that with your basically bank account and all the information to move your assets. You go to a wallet provider. Brian, you want to talk to us a little bit about wallet providers and maybe how those are set up and maybe some of the business cases for some of those wallet providers?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. And and that password gives you access to your spot in the blockchain. That spot in the blockchain always existed, but you have access to it now. And that's really that really is the core of the wallet. Uh, You can put lots of things in that wallet, uh, but what you will put in there depends on the type of wallet provider you're working with. And that wallet provider changes based on the use case they're supporting. If they just say, put any and all tokens in there, they're kind of an original use case. We manage all your crypto assets, right? But they could be working on other use cases. If it's a Bitcoin-backed token that you can store in that wallet, they're working on something around Bitcoin transactions. If you can put fiat tokens in there, they're working on some way maybe to help you against inflation or a way to store U.S. dollars. Tokenized equities, tokenized securities, all different types of tokens are being specifically allowed in certain wallets to kind of elevate and empower specific use cases. And sometimes those use cases are people that don't even know that they are, are using blockchain. And this is all like very exciting for entrepreneurs uh, that they can meet all these interesting, unique use cases, but how can these wallets actually make any money, right? How, Like you put all this time and coding into these wallets, but how does it make any money? And honestly, working uh, Let us Pay, Lettuce Financial, um, we have faced this question as well. Um, so I want to break down the conversation into non-custodial wallets and custodial wallets. We're going to mostly focus on non-custodial today, uh, but we will touch on custodial. Daniel, how, how do you define a non-custodial wallet?
1: Yeah, non-custodial wallet. We had one podcast, I think, about this a little bit, but a non-custodial wallet is the person is in charge. No one else is in charge. You are the one that are managing your keys. Someone is helping you potentially manage those keys for you. So they provide a nice interface. They provide industry, you know, leading security standards to lock up your secret seed. So they help you use it, but they are not in charge of it. So they have no way to access it. A true non-custodial, as I, as I said, is you could actually just have a piece of paper and a pen. That would be non-custodial. I am controlling every aspect of my secret seed. I have to manage how that's used to send transactions one place to the other. So that's non-custodial. So how about you go into what is custodial?
0: A custodial wallet is where someone actually is controlling your funds. So if you lose your private key, or you might not even have access to your private key on on a uh, custodial wallet, that's okay. A bank is your custodian. Here's something kind of a tangent to think about. When you have $100 in the bank, you don't actually have $100 in a bank account. What that actually means is the bank owes you $100. That's a custodial wallet. Someone owes you money because you are not in control of it. Um, the good news, if you're creating a business um, run on a Stellar-based wallet or even a non-stellar-based wallet, if you create a non-distodial wallet, the regulation is next to zero. Zero or close to it. So you can just build something and tell people to try it. And the reason for that is the definition here, is that you are not touching money as a non-distodial wallet. You are basically an interface a ux to blockchain and so by someone that never touches money or assets you don't face any regulation but the flip side of that is how would that make money and the number one answer in today's kind of immature blockchain wallet space is affiliates so your wallet could have a link out to shapeshift or changely and say hey buy crypto or strange crypto or simplex, you know, buy crypto or um, hardware wallet, you know, a link out to, to a hardware wallet that says, move your money onto this wallet and buy this wallet for $59. All, it all boils down to partnerships or affiliates that you are using your wallet to connect people to other services. And those other services are giving you a little bit of a kickback um, at Lettuce Pay, we're actually working on, a, on an interesting version of that, which is where we will encourage the use of certain anchors, and those anchors might give us a kickback. So, it, which is kind of the same version of once again affiliate, because you don't control the money; you basically serve as as a springboard for other crypto services.
1: So, when you say that about anchors, I mean, is that just another way of saying onboarding and offboarding? Right. So, when someone is to, like, let's say they were using your wallet and they said, hey, I want to turn my fiat into XLM, for example, that they could do that directly through your wallet and you're using another provider. They'll charge them a fee in order to do that. And they might give you a piece of that fee, a kickback for part of that fee that they're charging the people to do that. And then likewise, when they want to take their digital assets and turn them into something physical, that off-ramp they would also pay you? Is that what you mean by the anchors giving you
0: kickbacks? That is piece of it is the on-ramp and off-ramp. But the other piece of it is when you are holding money in our wallet, it just says $10. It doesn't tell you what dollar token because honestly, you don't care. And so whatever token we're using behind the scenes, that organization is earning interest. So they benefit from us Focusing on their token. And so they could provide us with a kickback. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay the so the other thing going on with non custodial wallets is they hold tons of money and so While it might not be a profitable business It's something that if there's lots of money held in that system It could be very valuable to for example a larger business or a partner, you know, Daniel. We were discussing this earlier, and you kind of mentioned a really good way of describing this.
1: One way that a lot of companies, and it's not just wallets, but anything, is to can be act like the nexus of commerce. Is this is where people go in order to access their funds and move their funds and accept their funds. And when you have a lot of users, you, you start developing value in your product, and other entities will probably come to you to make it easy. For to reach people, to use their product, to use their tokens, as you were saying, um, just to make it really easy to interface with whatever they're building on the blockchain. You can go back to you know, Facebook or MySpace or Twitter or anything. If you build something, even if you don't charge anybody for anything out the gate, just to have users, it's extremely valuable from those tangents. That's where people are going and getting a user base is actually really hard to do. And so if you have one, it becomes very valuable. So as a good wallet provider, I think that's what you'd be doing is you'd be building a user face. That's where a lot of people go to move money. So just by that, you have intrinsic value that you could probably tap later through affiliates or just relationships, business arrangements.
0: Yeah. I mean, think, think about Facebook. This is where people hold their personal data. Think about a wallet. This is where people hold their money so if you want to get access to people's money you go to the wallet so there is just a ton of intrinsic value Um, this is why people like vibrant in south america they want to get a lot of money onto the blockchain onto these tokenized us dollars because once it's there it's so easy to push it in other directions and other blockchain services it's the whole on-ramp off-ramp conundrum there's so many interesting things blockchain offers but first, you have to have your money on blockchain to get to those services.
1: Right. And we've seen it in a lot of different places. You see it in you know, the controlling the space, the Apple store or the Android store. The idea is you could open up your own store. And I think even huge entities like Amazon did that. They opened up their own Android store and they couldn't get it to take off. Even as big as Amazon is, they couldn't compete with Google Play Store. Actually, we've been seeing in the news, uh, I think, even the Coinbase CEO is mentioning that the amount of influence and control that Apple has over apps is massive right now. And the idea is, is because that's where people are going to go is if you're going to put up an app, you have to work with Apple and play by their rules. And so just drawing it back when we talk about wallets, it's the idea that A good wallet provider could be like Apple. No, but I mean, the idea is uh, there's just a lot of value there. You might not even have to charge the user, I guess. Uh, You actually charge businesses to get access to your users.
0: That's right. And and all of that is non custodial. If you do decide to go custodial, which comes with a variety of regulation, which I am completely unqualified to talk about. The business models are much more traditional. Lending, making markets, earning interest, trading, just a variety of financial services. And there's a really funny quote that I, I read on Twitter by someone that I can't remember whatsoever. But it basically said that every fintech out there ultimately is going to be a bank. So if you look at Coinbase or you look at PayPal, if you are if you are a custodian of assets, Ultimately, you want to offer lending and you want to offer interest and it just all leads down this path of ultimately becoming a bank because that's really what I associate Custodial means you are holding assets and then offering services, which is what a bank does, without a doubt. And then there's of course the hybrid models, and we talked about this in a previous episode. Anchor USD really experimenting uh, with the hybrid model. They're offering interest, but you can see your private key and your public key sometimes, and you know, and Stellar's going down this road of to non custodial wallet, but we can recover your key because multiple parties have a piece of your key. It's all just a really interesting path of creating the best user experience while maintaining the best features of blockchain.
1: Yeah. So talking about making money and incentive to build wallets, do you think that's an issue in this space? Because, you know, we've seen some in the Stellar space itself. So we've seen some wallet providers make their wallets and some of them have stopped development on them. Some wallet providers like Lobster are just thriving. You know, It just seems like they just keep expanding, keep developing and doing great. But then there's also the SDF, which felt, I think, that they needed to enter this space in a way and created Vibrant to make this really, really useful. So do you think that we're running into kind of a problem with or do you think that's a hurdle for this space of getting enough development and to maintain enough time for the non-custodial not the custodial i get the custodials the exchanges coinbases binances they're making tons of money but for the non-custodial wallets do you think we're we're going to run into or is that a hurdle for for development and to keep building non-custodial wallets when it is a little bit harder to to make it into a business case
0: i think it is a hurdle i mean saying that the main source of money is affiliates is kind of a, a cop-out of saying, you know, other companies will will pay you in ads or pay for your users. It's not a sustainable business model. The reason it needs to morph, because you look at Lobster, there's only gonna be a few wallets that offer all of the tokens and are geared towards traders or just holders um, on, in the Stellar ecosystem. And Lobster will be one of them. Um, if anyone tries to compete in that space, Why? Are you going to make something so much better than lobster? I just don't really see it. Um, And that's okay. And and those players will thrive. And and they'll hold so much value that people want to work with them. But for people making specific use case wallets about sending money across border, or sending money within a country, we're talking about making unique wallets for dozens or hundreds of countries. This is what Vibert is trying to do. They're trying to do it in a few countries and say, hey, other people go do it in other countries. For all those people interested in making specific use case wallets for a specific country, they need to make money and they need to do it without a massive user base. A good example is Uhuru wallet in Africa. They just applied to the Stellar Community Funds great product that works with WhatsApp, but they need to figure out a business model. So I I do think it is a problem. Yeah. And do you know much about Albedo? Because
1: I saw that come up, which is on Stellar Expert they realize, at least if I understand this right, that creating your own wallet and managing keys and all of that is really, really difficult. So they're trying to make it so it's a lot easier. So people don't have to manage and create a wallet in order to let their users interact with the public ledger. Do you know anything or do you have opinions on that? Or do we just need to have a different podcast on what, <laughs> Al- what Albedo is doing and... and
0: Bring someone who, who knows that can, can educate us and all of our listeners. I know a few things about it. I can also provide some context from my company. Our wallet backend, the piece that manages the private key, we're offering it to another company that needs a backend. And our two companies have totally different use cases, but ultimately at the back back end, it's just a key management system. The reason I bring that up is Albedo is saying, We're a key management system. You don't have to be. You could have 100 different use cases. Why create a key management system? Just use ours. And I totally agree. There should be less of those out there. Because ultimately, everyone's building the same code. You know, how to manage keys. So if Albedo is managing your private key, someone can build an app that says, go trade this token from this country to that country. And they don't have to build a wallet they just have to make an interesting UX on blockchain transactions and can rely on the team management system that Albedo already built. Okay, so this could be totally off. But is this not unlike, you know, when I sign up to
1: websites now, instead of creating a new password, they're starting to give me the option to sign in with my Google account or with Facebook. Is that similar as the idea that I could log on to somewhere and just use my Albedo signature and use that everywhere I go and they can dial into that or am I totally
0: missing the point? You are spot on. Why have 15 different logins when you can just have one? It's even more pressing in the blockchain world because imagine a world with seven websites that all kind of look like Facebook, but you have to have a different login for each one. A oh, wait, that actually kind of exists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that exists. Yeah, no, I mean, password <laughs> management. I mean, we talk about managing um, secret seeds and all of that for blockchain. But I mean, it's a problem just in, in life, you know, which I think the Google sign in and, and some of those keys and things like that. There are people who are trying to figure this out. I don't know about you, but I probably have 100 passwords. My regular business makes me change them about every couple of weeks. And each one has to be unique and have a lot of different characters and gonna have so many uppercases and lower cases. And anyway, I see that problem exist just in tech and generally, and it seems like we're making headway there. So it's pretty neat to see Albedo. Now that you've said that I was right there, that they're trying to do that for Stellar and just general key management for the public blockchain. I think that's sweet.
0: There you have it kind of full circle. When it comes to the just very core functions of managing a key Or managing a book of assets, Albedo and Lobster, there just doesn't need to be that many of those. But if you're trying to do something specific, whether it be custodial or non custodial, I think the business cases could get much more interesting. Yeah,
1: totally agree. All right, Brian. So now that we've kind of talked about wallets, both kinds custodial, non custodial, we talked about how maybe some of those non custodials could make money and how. Projects like Albedo is trying to make it easier, just universal keys that can be used everywhere, so people don't have to try to make a business case or also build in key management into those use cases. Where do you think we're going? Where Where do you think we're going in the next two? If you want to venture out there, five years, five years in blockchain is infinity. But where do you think we're going?
0: Well, I, I think you make a guess for two years, and it ends up being five years, so it ends up being a five year guess. Um, <laughs> I think we're starting to see layers of value, right? At the very core, the key management, you offer something extremely valuable. I think we're going to see a world where we have layers of value. At the very base is this key management and team management is extremely valuable, but it's also a commodity, a commodity of code, a certain set of code that this is how you manage your keys. And I'm not really sure how they're going to monetize that, but it's going to be very slim margins really, really wide audience. The next layer up is going to be a lobster, something that just can hold people's money, right? And then you might even start to see apps on top of that, apps that help people do specific use cases, play certain games, send money to certain countries, manage certain fiats. I mean, what if someone built a special Lobster app that helps you manage digital gold and silver and get it sent to your house. Why build your own wallet if you have a business case and a use case, build like an app on the ecosystem, right? So we're going to start to see layers of value. And at the highest layer, you're going to get the most creativity, the most interesting stuff. And at the lower levels, you're going to start to see players that provide core services start to really grow their audiences significantly.
1: I think it's a good guess. And you think it's going to take five years to get there? You think it's a two year guess with a five year horizon? <laughs> is <what you> think?
0: <laughs> it's that old quote, uh, slowly at first, and then everywhere. We're still waiting for that everywhere. But I'm uh, very impressed with the stellar ecosystems focus on true users, not just interested crypto people using their product, but true users. And if you can solve one user's true financial problems in south america or africa or asia then you could solve it for a hundred million people's problem great parting words (laughs) That's, uh, <laughs> thank you, Brian. I like what you said. And they'll all end up on on your Stellar Map, which I really enjoy using. And I hope that grows.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, StellarMap.io. This really wasn't meant for shout outs to other things, but you should check it out. It's kind of cool. If you want to spend money, if you have lumens, whether they were given to you because of the key base airdrops, or you have some because you decided to invest in it, whatever it happens to be, if you have some lumens and you'd like to be able to use them somewhere physical, like a location go down and get a hot dog get a taco i don't know buy a t-shirt if you want that one let us know just say where you're at let those shop owners know that there is demand for accepting payments on stellar they don't have to be lumens as we know stellar is awesome it lets you send whatever value you want to send in and let them accept whatever value they want so if you want a vendor to get onto the stellar network let us know and let us know just generally where you're at. We don't want addresses. We just want to know what city you're in somewhere in the world. And then if you are a vendor, if you are a merchant and you accept stellar payments, let us know. And let's try to get some of that demand and supply to meet each other and just see the blockchain do what it's supposed to do. Manage
0: payments and make payments easier and make them cheaper. That's right. It Boils down to we need you to support those wallets. And you can do that by going on StellarMap.io and telling us where you're using your wallet. Always great talking to you, Daniel. Uh, we are open to future topics, so please let us know what you'd like us to talk about, and we'll hear from you next time. Well, Thank you.